But I want to I want to read out of First uh, Corinthians chapter eleven, and then we're going to pray, and I'm going to teach you a little bit uh, about what we're doing here this morning. It says this, uh, beginning in verse seventeen. Now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for better, but for worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God and shame those who are having... Who have nothing. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, The cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this, eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Verse 27 says, Therefore, who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we had judged ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this opportunity this morning to, to teach about the value and the importance and the significance of our time together today in, in communion service. Lord, I pray that you would be amongst each one of us. And Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, even the seasoned Christian that maybe knows exactly what's going on here this morning. We always need a refresher. But Lord, for especially those who may be new to the body of Christ that have been receiving communion without even really knowing what they're doing. I pray that you would open all our eyes today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have you ever found yourself doing something, and for the life of you, you don't know why you did it or why you're doing it? I'd be going to the other room to do something. I completely forget what it is I'm going there for. It reminds me of a story of a little girl who went to her mom and said, Mom, why do you cut the ends off the roast before you cook it? And the little girl's mother told her, she said, I, I, I don't know for sure. I think it's to add that it is able to absorb the spices better, and it gets more flavor in there. But why don't you go ask Grandma, because that's just the way we've always done it. So the little girl went to Grandma and said, Grandma, why, why do you cut the ends off the roast before you cook it? And she goes, well, I think it's so that the, so it'll absorb the juices. It'll be juicier. Uh, the juices can flow through it. But, you know, I'm not really sure. It's just the way Nana taught me. Why don't you go ask Great Grandma? what the deal is with, with cutting it. So she's frustrated, and she's a little bit upset. She's like, she curled up in her Nana's lap. And she said, Nana, why do we cut the ends of the roast off? Mommy doesn't know, and Grandma doesn't know. Oh, she goes, oh, sweetheart, I had to because my pan wasn't big enough. <laughs> right? You know, 
we develop habits and we develop traditions based on nothing more than a lack of information sometimes. Why is the carpet yellow at Grapevine Fellowship? I don't know because that's, if you tried to change it, someone might get upset. I don't know. You know, it, it, we do things in church. Why, are, why is this so important? Why is this so necessary? But, you know, on the first Sunday of every month, we partake in communion here at Grapevine Fellowship. It's where we take the bread and the juice and, and the reminders of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for us, for our sins. And, and, and I was thinking about our church and our church family and the makeup of our family since we've been here now 14 months today. Um, well, time's just flying. I'm going to be old before you know it, because I ain't yet. But I was thinking about that, and, and all the new people that have been coming to Grapevine, and I thought it would be a great time to not just receive communion during worship, but to actually teach on the subject. How many of you are not real clear about communion? Maybe we all are. There's a few. Praise God. Praise God. It's not an embarrassing thing. It's, it's not your fault. It's our fault for not teaching you about it, right? We, 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 we assume that Christians know you get saved. Well, you know what communion is all about, right? Give your life to Jesus. You know exactly what it means. No, that's not how it works. It's our responsibility to teach you about these things. And one of the, uh, well, let me, let me back up a little bit. The, the word communion is also known as the Lord's Supper. Uh, in the Catholic Church, you'll hear this term, the Eucharist, okay? Um, you even hear it in Christian, in Christian uh, settings sometimes. Uh, we choose, because we can't pronounce Eucharist very well, so we say communion, right? Uh, it, the, the translation is it's an act or an instance of sharing, and it means intimate fellowship. It's this Greek word that's translated also, okay, it's, it is translated Thanksgiving, but first it's koinonia. You're back. Say it for me. Koinonia. Koinonia, okay? It's translated koinonia, and it means intimate fellowship, and, and that's what we try to pre- uh, you know, preserve here at Grapevine Shell. Even as we grow, it's something that we have to be mindful of, that, that we have koinonia, that we have intimate fellowship. But it also breaks down that Greek word can mean thanksgiving as well, that we're thankful for what Jesus did. And what a time to start think, uh, talking about being thankful than the month of November, right? Next week is Veterans Day, uh, so we're going to have a Veterans uh, Memorial. If you're veterans, please come. And, and, I, and I understand this because I'm a veteran as well. So I understand that that sometimes when we honor veterans, it, it almost, um, they almost, some veterans would prefer we don't. But can I just tell you up front, we want to do something very small just to honor and to talk about veterans and, and to talk about our veterans. You know, don't you know we're all vets now? We're in the Army of the Lord, right? Uh, but we want to honor the veterans next week. So we're going to do that here at Grapevine. And then for the next two weeks leading up to Thanksgiving, I'm going to keep talking about this topic of Thanksgiving. Uh, but today it's communion. And one of the complaints I've heard over the years, because most of the churches I've been involved with, we take communion every month. And one of the complaints I hear a lot is that it just becomes too common. There are some churches that take communion every week. There are some churches that take communion quarterly or just during special events. So we do it once a month, and we do it during special events as well. And so for our, for our new friends at Grapevine Fellowship, I, I, I just want you to know that maybe we've been cutting the ends off our meat. Right? And we don't know exactly why. So with that in mind, I want to I talk to you. I, uh, there's only four points in your sermon. There's actually five. That's my fault. I sent the sermon notes over to Miss Jackie, and, and I, missed, I missed one. So there's actually going to be one that falls before number four. Number four is really number five. I'll have number four for you in a few minutes, so you'll have to write that in. So 
My, my, my bad. I, I apologize for that. But, but the first thing, we observe communion because Jesus started it. And that's not to say it like a, like a little boy. Oh, you started it. My daddy could beat up your daddy. I remember fighting with kids in elementary school saying, my daddy could beat up your daddy. Now it's true. because My daddy's God. He could beat you up. You know what I'm saying? But what I mean to say is the origins of communion, they started with Jesus. It came from Jesus itself. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons it's called the Lord's Supper is because Jesus started it. And it, we, we saw that in our text. If you look back to verses 23 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken from you, for you. Do this, as the table says, in remembrance of me. And then in the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So Jesus started this, and, and God knows something about us. He knows that we don't have the greatest memories. All the time I'm at the office... Do you remember why I tied that string around my finger? I, I tied a string around their finger to remind myself of something, but I can't remember why I tied the string. I don't really do that, but, but it is a joke around here. It is a joke around here. I'll look at Miss Jackie. Why is the string tying around my finger? Like, in other words, what am I supposed to be doing? I forgot. And it happens to us. And throughout the whole Bible, we see that God was always setting up memorials or reminders, ways for people to remember the goodness of God the things that God has done for them in their lives. And, and whenever a significant event would happen, people would a lot of times build an altar. That's what they did in the Old Testament. When something great happened, they built an altar as a reminder, as a memorial to the great things of God. And in Joshua chapter 4, the people of Israel, they crossed over the, finally, they crossed over the Jordan River to inherit the promised land, the, man, the land flowing with milk. I told you I'd preach a little bit up in here. See, there's a spit. Man, uh, no, actually, I'm just dry mouth for spending two nights in a row outside. But in Joshua chapter 4, these people, they finally get to inherit the promise of God. And Joshua set up 12 stones as a, rem- as a memorial. Look at Joshua chapter 4. I want to read you this text, and we'll move on. Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood. And they are there to this day. I'm going to Israel in a couple months. I'm going to go check out the 12 stones. Come on, somebody. Because they are there even today. So whenever their children or whenever they walk by this this place where Joshua set up these stones, it it was a memorial of the miraculous miracle. Miraculous miracle. That's an oxymoron. Of them moving out of the wandering, the desert places, come on, somebody, into the promised land. And that memorial is still set up today. It's a reminder of God's greatness. That's what communion is. It's a reminder. That's number two. It's a reminder. It reminds us of what God has done for us, done for us. That's good talking, Ron, good talking. We've got some good vocabulary going on today. Hallelujah. You know, another significant memorial for the Israelites was the Passover meal. If you know, if you know about this story, this was the meal that was celebrated uh, for the people's escape from Egypt. 
the people were held in bondage for years and years and years, and, and they were delivered, and, and, and the Lord sent ten plagues, and, and the final plague was the plague of death, where, where all the firstborn were going to die. And what he instructed the children of Israel was, mark your doors with the blood of the Lamb. Come on, somebody. Mark your, yeah, i got to tell you, family, go mark your doorposts. Anoint your house with oil. If you, don't, if you don't have oil, I'll give you some oil. Now, I don't have to be the one to do it. Don't you know you got the power? Anoint your houses with oil. He said, put the blood of the lamb over your doorposts. Door, door I can't talk, I'm telling you. And I'm going to send a death angel. And if the death angel sees the blood on your door, he, he won't kill you or your family. You're going to be okay. And so they began to celebrate this Passover meal every year to, to, to remind themselves of the great victory of being released from Pharaoh's grip on their life, being in bondage. How many of us need to be set free from bondage today? Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but I, I dealt with drugs and alcohol long enough until Jesus came into my life and set me free. He broke the bonds that chained me together. How, I should preach from the floor more often. I think I found my new preaching place. Hallelujah. But it was, it was during this meal that they would eat bitter herbs to remind them of their years in slavery. And one day I hope to have a traditional Seder dinner here at our church. And it's, it's going to cost us probably like a 20 bucks a head because it's a full-on meal. But it's the actual Passover meal. And they go through every element that, that the children of Israel took. And it's very significant and meaningful. But they would also eat sweet honey to remind them of how good the Lord is. Come on. The Bible says, taste and see. Woo, I hope you taste and see today if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It was during the celebration that Jesus met with his disciples, and that's when he instituted the Lord's Supper. Matter of fact, the last Passover became the very first Lord's Supper. We didn't have to. Now we have something else to celebrate. Jesus. So the next, two times in our text already, we saw that it says, do this in remembrance of me. It's a reminder of what Jesus did for us. The Lord's Supper is the most meaningful reminder that God has ever established in the body of Christ. That's why it's so important for me to teach about this today. This is probably one of the most important things we do as a body. And, and it shouldn't just become, uh, well, it's the first Sunday of the month. We're going to eat some bread and drink some juice. No, it's so much more than that. And you can see the wisdom of God written all over this when you begin to really dig into this. And it's so simple. Do you know that any culture, even any religion who professes Jesus Christ, any denomination, any, 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 anywhere in this world that can participate in communion? So that's number one. It's symbolic, or letter A, I should say. It's a symbolic reminder of what Jesus did. It's, it's, it reminds us that Jesus' sinless body was broken for us. His body was broken for us. It, it, it's the juice to remind us that the blood of Jesus Christ was shed for our sins. And it's portable. You, you, know, you can take communion anywhere. You don't have to, to go somewhere. You don't have to, to do anything significant. You can take communion at home. Uh, the women's ministries, they take communion at their, at their retreats every year. Uh, we, we do communion frequently for special events around here. It, it, it's something that we do. It's not just something we look at. In the hospital or when he was sick? Yeah. See that? We're praying for them. Which, that reminds me, I think tonight there won't be any Sunday Night Live because Tom's very sick and 
Susan has to work, okay? So we're, we, we just, my wife's going to be gone, and I'm going to be with the kids, so there's just, we're just going to postpone it tonight. Everyone's, everyone's had their fun for the weekend, I think. <laughs> All right? So remind me, somebody, put a note on the door today, because we don't want people to come that, that might be looking for that. So number two, or B, it's more than a religion, religious tradition. It's not just tradition. That's what we got to get away from. It's not just a snack in the middle of the service. If it was a snack, man, I'd give you something like a Butterfinger. Come on, I gave you some when you came in the door. Did you guys get your candy? I had the greeters giving you candy. We had one bag left uh, after last night. So, But it's a memorial that allows our hearts and our minds to focus on Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, it said this, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until when? Until he comes, we will celebrate communion. We will participate and observe in communion until Jesus Christ comes. Guess what? We don't have to anymore after that. We'll be with him. So every time we participate, participate in communion, it's a sermon without words about the cross. So what we're doing this morning, we're preaching just by receiving the elements about the cross of Calvary. Number three, it, it demonstrates unity. One of, the, one of the Greek words was koinonia. That talks all about unity, about fellowship, about loving one another. And here at Grapevine, you know, we have a lot of people that have a, a wide range of skills. People know stuff here. We've got people who are great with technology. We've got experts in construction. We've got, we got powerful and anointed and gifted music people that do this kind of thing, you know, right? This kind of thing. They're singing. Not, not, that's not, no, no, they're singing. Here, like this. You know, I like that right there. That's kind of cool. And we got people that are mechanics, and, 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 and you know, sometimes it's intimidating to be around people that know more than you, especially... When you're around someone who you think may be a better Christian than you. Can I tell you something? Communion erases all that. There is no such thing as a better Christian than you. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. We all come to the communion table as equals. There is nobody higher than somebody else. There's nobody lower than somebody else. And, and part of the problem was, was that, uh, well, let me read this verse to you, and then I'll talk about it. It says in verse 20 of our, saint, of our text, we're going to spend most of our time in this text, 1 Corinthians 11. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it's, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you have houses that you can eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? And Paul said, no, I'm not going to praise you in that. See, part of the problem is in the, in the Corinthian culture at this time, it was common time at mealtime to let the, the, let the others, to show favoritism. That's where you honored people was at the meal. So, so this, this kind of practice began to trickle into the church that, that people were coming to the Lord's table. And, and they were allowing themselves, well, they get to eat first. And what happened is sometimes the common folk like me didn't get nothing to eat. Because the high and mighty, the ones that were more important, ate it all up. And Paul encouraged them in verse 33. He said, therefore, brethren, when you come together to eat, he said, wait for one another. 
wait on one another. That's why when we pass the elements out, we always say, don't take them yet. Wait till everybody's served, okay? Wait till everybody has their elements and we'll, we'll receive it together. I don't care if you give your life to Jesus right now or if you did it 100 years ago. We're all, we're all equals at the foot of the cross. So he instructed them to wait for each other because Jesus died for all of our sins, amen? Listen, we're hopelessly lost without the forgiveness of sin. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, hmm. amen? Think about that for a second. Where would you be if it wasn't for the grace of God? Where would you be right now this morning? Some of you can think back a month ago, six months ago, a year ago. Where were you on a Sunday morning when you weren't here? Wasn't real good, was it? Not time for it today. <laughs> Some of you are like, no, you don't even want to know. I know. I know. I know your story. Been there. I've been there. So here's number four, the one that I didn't give you before. We observe communion because it forces us to be real. It forces us to be real with ourselves. Look at verse 27 through 29. It says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup from, of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Listen, communion requires serious self-examination. You should be looking into your heart even now as, as you know that you're going to be coming to the table in a few minutes to receive and examining your heart. And it's through this examination that we realize that none of us, listen, none of us are worthy of taking communion this morning. No one is, no one is sinless. No, not one. We all have guilt and we all have shame. We're all sinners. But we are sinners that have been saved by grace and brought into the body of Jesus Christ, which is what we're going to partake in in just a couple minutes. The body of Jesus Christ. When Paul was talking about recognizing the body, he was looking at it from two different angles. Number one, he's saying, look, at, remember the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. You have to remember what Jesus did when you partake of communion. It's got to be the first thing on your mind. Number two, he's saying, remember your family. Remember the church. Remember the people that God has put in your life and, and have brought you. This should be a time when we're, when we're forgiving one another. Don't you know that we hurt each other? Can I tell you something? Sheep bite. It's true. And sometimes they bite the shepherd, and a lot of times they bite each other. And this is the place right now where if there's unforgiveness in your heart, and I'm going to get to this in a second, we've got to let it go. We've got to put down our sword and take up the cross. Amen? Amen. i got three people witnessing that right now. You've got to remember what was going on in the church of Corinth at this time. They were not considering the needs of others, were they? They were eating ahead of others. They weren't worried about everybody else, and there were divisions in the church. Listen, if you have a problem with someone in the church, you need to work those problems out before you take communion. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your gift. Then you come and offer you. I'm going to have the worship team come, and if there's communion servers, just be ready. I'll have you come in just a minute. Did we get some servers? Yeah, I knew we did because you're awesome. I want to try to sum it up this way. 
There are times that you should not take communion. Okay? You should not take communion if you're not a Christian. Jesus is not in your heart. If you've never invited Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life, then you don't need to participate in this today. But let me say this. You can do that right now. You could ask Jesus to be Lord of your life right now. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a second. Number two, you shouldn't take communion if there's someone that you haven't forgiven. Let, let me put it this way, because sometimes forgiveness, it has this meaning like that it, it, it's forgotten. You don't forget, do you? There's some hurts that, that you and I have experienced that we'll never forget, Dakota. Thank God that we do have a bad memory, because when we get in serious accidents, if we didn't forget some of the trauma of that, we'd be paralyzed here forever. but we need to be working on forgiving, okay? Can I say it that way? Maybe you're not at that place. Well, I haven't forgiven them yet. Are you working on it? Are you praying for them? Maybe you could just do that right now under, under your breath. Just whoever it is maybe you're angry with or whoever it is maybe you're, you're, you're having a hard time forgiving, would you just pray for them right now? Under your breath, just say, Father, forgive that person. Or forgive me for holding resentment against them. If you're truly trying to forgive someone who has wronged you, you have to take care of that first if you're not truly trying to do that. And number three, you shouldn't take communion if you're completely and totally distracted. If you're like, you know, Pastor, they just kicked off the football game. Can you get me out of here? Or are we going to beat the Baptist to the restaurant? If, you, if that's what's on your mind right now, you, you probably shouldn't be participating in communion because, remember, it's a reminder of what Jesus did for us. He needs to be the first thing on our mind right now. The football game will still be there, okay? If your team's going to win or lose, it's going to happen whether you're watching it or not. And if they're going to lose, I'll save you some salvation right now, right? My, my, my spiritual condition used to be based on whether or not the Raiders won or lost. Well, I had to get over that years ago, didn't I? Right, Ben? I, ha- I had to. I was just saying. They're doing pretty good this year, but my spiritual condition does not depend on whether they win or lose anymore. Number five. Communion reminds us that he is God and we are not. It reminds us to rededicate our lives. He's God, I'm not. Tell your neighbor, you're not God. Tell him you're good looking, but you're not God. No. You should have been looking this way when you said that. No. When we share in communion, we we are celebrating a relationship with the risen Lord and Savior. Listen, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never asked him to be your Lord, we're going to pass out the elements. And and you shouldn't receive those if you're not a Christian. But here's what we need to do. Let's just say this together. And if you're here and you've never said this prayer together, if you've never said this prayer, if you've never asked the Lord to be Lord of your life, then you can receive him right now. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And you are not. You took my sin. So I could be free. I ex- I ex- I ex- accept your forgiveness and accept you as my Savior. In Jesus' name, communion servers, can we pass out the elements? We're gonna we're gonna do a song here. Hold on to the elements, and we'll take them together in just a minute.
guys. Thank you. Every month we celebrate or observe or participate in communion as a reminder of the horrible death that Jesus died on the cross. 
and that his body was broken for you and I, that we could have healing, and that we could come out of brokenness, that his blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins, for the, the Bible says the remission of our sins. You know, the Word of God says that your sin is as far as the east is from the west. It also says that he put them in the sea of forgetfulness and he remembers them no more. There's one thing God can't do. He can't remember your sin if you confess it to Jesus. Wow. And on the cross, Jesus took all of our mistakes, all of our flaws, and all of our sins. See, it it wasn't so much the pain of being hung on the cross. It was the fact that everything you've ever been through will ever go through and every sin you've ever committed or will commit, every sin ever introduced on this planet, Jesus wore it on the cross. That's what we're remembering this morning. So I don't know what you've gone through. Oh, pastor, I'm, I'm beyond forgiveness. There's no such thing as beyond forgiveness. He took the blackest and the darkest things that we'll ever walk through and in return, he clothed us in righteousness and in holiness. My righteousness is like th- filthy rags, the scriptures say. But yet when God looks at me, he sees righteousness, and he sees holiness, because the blood of Jesus covers me. You know, this offer is for everybody today. This communion is for everybody today. Bible says that he would that none would perish and that all come to repentance. Isaiah 53, this is how I want to close. And if you could stand, if you would, if not too much trouble, I know your hands are full. It says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we were healed. That's what we're remembering this morning.